I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and open up tonight to Ephesians chapter 6. And if I could, can we get the microphone, uh, the pulpit mic just turned down just a little bit. Ephesians chapter 6 though, we'll be going to verse 10 when you get there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. He says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then in verse 16, which is our text for the day, he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let us go to the Lord in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the blessings that we have tonight. We're thankful for your word that we have to open. And we're praying that your spirit will work in our service tonight. Lord, you know each heart and each life. You know each one that will hear this message. And Lord, I pray that you would use it for your honor and your glory. Lord, help us to understand that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Lord, help us to fight in your power and your strength and to stand in your armor. We're so thankful for all that you've done, for all that we have in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're talking about the shield of faith uh, from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. And before we get there, I just kind of want to briefly go back over some of what we've been talking about. First of all... Uh, we, we talked about the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. And we have to understand that, uh, that our, our battle, what we're fighting against, what we're wrestling with on a daily basis, is not with flesh and blood. It's, it's not necessarily the physical things that we can see or smell or hear or, or, or touch, whatever it may be. That is not really what we're fighting against. What we're fighting against is what is unseen. What we're fighting is uh, against is what is below the surface, what is working behind that co-worker that gets on your nerves and agitates you all the time, uh, what, what's working behind that spouse that, uh, that you may be having problems with, that what, what's working behind that family situation or job situation or even church situation. Don't think that the devil can't get his hooks inside of a church either. And, uh, you know, and so we have to understand that the problems that we sometimes we think we're dealing with may not necessarily be all the truth to that. There, there, there could be something behind there uh, that is working and, and bringing those problems out. And so we must keep in mind that, uh, that if we are going to enter into warfare, if this is a spiritual battle and somehow we've got to fight, as, as physical people, we've got to fight in a spiritual battle, then we, mu- we have to understand what it means to stand in the armor of God and what it means, of course, to be in Christ. And... That's what we've talked about, the fact that uh, even though this is a spiritual battle, that God hasn't made us only physical creatures, but he has, given us, he has given us a living spirit. And if you are saved, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then you have been spiritually born again. 
You become a child of God. And even in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, it says that we have been adopted into that family, which means that word adopted doesn't have to do with how we got into the family. What well, has to do with this, an adopted son was one who was fully mature and ready to receive the benefits from his father. And so what that means is, is that when we were, uh, it says that we were adopted over in Ephesians chapter 1, that means that all those spiritual blessings that we have in Christ in heavenly places, that means that they are immediately accessible to us through Christ. And so we have access to everything that we need to do battle in, you know, in spiritual warfare. And I also want us to remember that we are not told to engage in battle as far as spiritual warfare is concerned. The Lord fights for us, but what we are told to do is to stand. And we are to stand not in our strength, not in our might, but to stand in His strength and in the power of His might. And we are to stand in His armor. And so we've dealt with that over the last couple of weeks. We've also talked about that there are basically six pieces to the armor of God that we can discuss. Uh, three of those are to be worn at all times. Three of those are to be put on. Uh, the other three are to be taken up. And, and we've been saying that we take them up as needed. But keep in mind that they're to be on your person at all times so that at a moment's notice, you're ready to pick that thing up and use it uh, in spiritual warfare. Now, the three that we put on, the three that we wear at all times, no matter what, uh, are truth, righteousness, and then as we looked at last week, peace. And just to go back and, and discuss very briefly what all three of those are, truth is, of course, what God says about something. Truth is not what you think it is. Truth is not what you feel it might be. But truth is what God has said on a matter. And where do we find truth? In the Word, in the Word of, God. of God. Right. And so truth is the first part. And, and he actually says the belt of truth. And this is because the, the belt is what held everything tightly together. It was a, it was a utility. Uh, it, it had all kinds of purposes, all kinds of things, but really it just held everything together. And unless you know the truth of God's Word, the rest of this armor uh, may not be held together as it should be. Uh, it may not be as well understood as it should be. And so the first thing we are to do is we are to, uh, ha- it says, have our loins girt with the word of truth, or, or word, uh, girt with truth, excuse me. And so we talked about truth, that is what God says on the matter. We also talked about righteousness and the fact that Satan sometimes is going to uh, attack our righteousness. He wants to throw us off balance. He wants to tempt us with sin. He wants to tempt us with doubt and all those other things. And, uh, and so we're going to have to guard against that. And so he says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about what it means to guard your heart and to guard your, your thoughts and your mind. And, uh, you know, of course, to stand in his righteousness, not in our own righteousness. And so we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Then last week we also talked about peace. And we discussed the fact that peace is not just a calm. Uh, Peace is not being able to rest when everything around you is going well. But peace is that God-given calmness, that God-given tranquility, even when all the storms around us are raging. When everything is chaotic, when the storms are blowing, when the waves are crashing overhead, when all those things are going on, even in the midst of that, the peace that he talks about here, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, 
That piece is talking about the ability to trust God, to, to sit still, and, and know that God is in control no matter what's going on. Amen. I want to tell you, it's very easy to stay still when everything's going good. Right. <laughs> but it's hard to have that same peace when everything around you is, uh, is blowing up or everything around you is, it seems to be going wrong. But that's the kind of peace that Christians need to have. It's the kind of peace that God gives to us. And so we talked about those three, uh, the, the, uh, the belt of truth, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, and, uh, and then the, uh, are the shoes of peace. Well, this week we're going to start looking at the, the three pieces of armor that we must pick up. And uh, these are the ones that we're using as needed, using uh, as we're engaging in battle. And the first of these is the shield of faith. And again, let's read the verse there. Chapter 6, verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And I want to go back and uh, a little bit later we'll talk about some of these other things. But I, I want us to just focus right now on the shield of faith. Now, the first thing that I feel like we must do, and everything that we've, uh, every one of these pieces of armor, I want us to define for a moment what faith is. And let's get our mind wrapped around the fact that we're not talking about a shield. We're talking about faith. All right? So if you imagine, if, if you're imagine, using your imagination to pick up a shield, <laughs> you know, that that's not really going to do you a whole lot of good. What he's talking about is having faith in God, and that's what's going to shield us, of course, from these problems that are going on. So let's, let's focus on faith just for a second and see what faith is. Now, it may seem a little silly for us to devote time uh, to giving a definition of faith because most of us are pretty solid on what the word means. Faith in general is just believing. Yet what I've noticed about myself and others is that we have developed this strange ability to separate what we say and what we think we believe from how we act. Anybody ever notice that? Yes, sir. And I find myself doing that a lot as well. And, and sometimes I even feel like God's asking me that question. Isn't this one of those things that you say you believe? So why are you acting this way if you believe that? And let me throw out a couple of these. Let's say you're having a financial problem. And your reaction to that financial problem, you believe that God is in control, right? Right. But your reaction to that financial problem is, I've got to figure out what to do about this. So if your reaction is, I've got to get in control of the situation, but your belief says, I believe God is in control, do you see where those two kind of clash together? Amen. So should, if we believe something, if we say we believe something, then shouldn't our behavior reflect what we say that we believe? And I think what's happened is in, in churches down through the years, we've ingrained certain facts into people's minds but sometimes those facts haven't become realities in that person's life. And that's where, you know, I see this quite a bit as pastor and, and we're talking with people and discussing things, both with the lost and, and with saved people alike. You know, they'll, they'll talk about faith, they'll talk about they believe this, they believe that. But then in the middle of the situation, they're not acting like they believe what they say they believe. And the truth is, I see myself from time to time doing that as well. Let me use another one, for instance. Do you believe that God is everywhere all the time? Yes, 
Do you really believe that? If you do, that's a part of your faith, right? Do you believe that God is everywhere all the time? Do you believe God knows all things? Yes, sir. Why do you do what you do when nobody else is around? Right. Do you really believe God's there? See, somewhere what we say we believe and think we believe doesn't match up with what we do. And that's what, we're, that, that's what we need. That's why we need to define what faith is. And, uh, and so we, we have to stop separating. There has to come a time in our life where what we say we believe and what we do intersect and, and begin to go along on the same track uh, with one another, run in parallel uh, directions instead of constantly conflicting with one another all the time. In other words, we say that we believe that God is in control, but again, we panic when there's a crisis. We say we believe that Jesus is returning. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you? We say, how do we act? Are you prepared for that? Or are we preparing for that? We say we believe it, but often we don't live like it. Let me say... That if what we say we believe does not match up with what we do, that's not really faith. That's right. And listen, this is not me standing here pointing fingers at you. I'm saying this about myself. If what I say I believe does not match up with what I'm doing, I don't really believe that. That is a, 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 some data that I've collected in my mind, but it hasn't become a reality for me. And I think that if we're going to talk about faith, if you're going to use faith as a shield, then that means that you're going to have to start practicing what you believe. Not just saying, I believe this. Live it out. In fact, James teaches us that true faith is not found in what we think or say, but in what we do. Remember, he said that faith without works is dead. As one person put it, Faith is a function of the mind that shows up in the feet. Faith is a function of the mind that shows up in the feet. In other words, if you believe it, you need to carry it out. Now on that note, I think two of the best definitions that I've found for faith are these. And the first one is found in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith this way. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and it is the evidence of things not yet seen. That means that even though I can't see it, I believe it. Even though it's not here yet, I know, and I don't just think it might happen, I am patiently expecting that that is going to come to pass. That's what faith is. That's right. Some people call it insanity. <laughs> but that's the Bible's definition of faith. And then... Another one that I think is really good is just simply this. Faith is acting as if God is telling the truth. Listen, our faith, please understand this, our faith must be based on what God has said. And we need to get something very clear here. God is not obligated to fulfill your dreams. Amen. We don't need to be holding God to things that He hasn't said that He was going to do. And this is what I see as much as anything else. 
You know, I can't, I can't probably even count how many people I've talked to, and they use this phrase, I guess I lost my faith. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Anybody ever used that phrase? Yes, sir. I guess I just lost my faith. And then I, you know, we'll go into questioning, well, why did you lose your faith? Because I just believed with all my heart that God was going to do this for me. You know, I got in this situation and, and everything just fell apart. And, you know, God, if, if God's up there and God loves me and God cares about me, then why did all this happen? Or I trusted God. I went and did something and I did it on faith, but then it all fell apart. And I just lost my faith because of that. Tragedy happened. Disappointment happened, whatever it may be. And then people have lost their faith on that. And the question that I don't always come back with, but sometimes I do, is this. Did God ever say that He was going to do that for you? Because if He hasn't, then why are you trusting Him to do something that He never said He was going to do? And listen, we, we cannot start giving God... What we want. He's not some genie that's sitting around waiting on us to call on him and say, God, this is what I want you to do for me. And then he just obediently responds to whatever we say we're going to do. He's not a God that we jump, we take that leap of faith, and then come to find out that was a bridge he never even put there. And then fall flat on our face and say, Well, I guess I just lost my faith. Right. If he didn't tell you to take that step or take that leap, you can't hold him accountable when you bust your face at the bottom. Right. Listen, please, do not, regardless of who the preacher is or where he comes from, Please don't ever do something just because the preacher said to do it and call that faith. Don't do something based off of good intentions and call it faith. Don't make plans for what you're going to do for God and call that faith. Because that's that's not faith. That's just blindly doing things. What you believe about God, the faith that you exercise must be based on the Word of God is the point that I'm trying to get to. In other words, if God said it, then you can take that and you can believe that. But if God hasn't said that He's going to do this, if this is not how God has acted, if this is not how God has led, then that's not faith. That's just us deciding what we're going to do and stamping God's name on it. There is a difference, and I'm just wanting to show that difference there. When we're talking about the shield of faith, we have to make sure that what we're doing and what we're believing is based upon God's Word. Listen, God hasn't promised that you'll always have money. He hasn't promised that you'll never get sick or that death will not knock on your door or your family's door. Not one of us are as faithful as Job. Yet I want you to think about the fact that Job went through a great season of poverty, sickness, and despair and grief. God never promised those things wouldn't happen. But let me tell you what He has promised. 
God has promised that He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's where your faith needs to be then. That no matter what is going on, no matter how bad it may seem, no matter what God has allowed to come into your life, your faith lies not on what you think God should be doing, but on what God said He would do. He did say He'd never leave you or forsake you. And that's where you need to trust. Let me therefore make a few more statements about faith. Faith cannot be based off of what you think. Faith cannot be based off of what you feel. And faith, faith must not be based off of what you desire. But it has, to be tired. it has to be tied to truth. One preacher put it this way. Faith is the access, not the point of power. In other words, faith does not make God move. All faith does is access what God has already done. And so I think we've got this faith things backwards sometimes. We say, God, this is what I expect you to do. And then we say, okay, well, then I'm going to have faith that you're going to carry that out. Your faith is not what makes God move. Your faith accesses what God has already done and what God has already said he's going to do. And so if you're going to exercise faith in God, then you need to find out what God has said. And then that's the the path of faith that you need to be going down to. That's what you need to be anchoring yourself to, the truth of God's Word. Now, we always talk about growing in faith and having more faith and getting more faith. And some people say, I guess I just need to have more faith. But maybe that's not the problem. Maybe it's not the amount of faith you have, but it's just what you're putting your faith into. There you go. We say we need all this faith. Jesus said, if you have the faith... Of a grain of a mustard seed. It's enough to move mountains. That can accomplish anything. But note this. Don't just go moving mountains because you think it needs to be moved. You make sure God said to move that mountain first. And then you believe. And then you act on that faith. And that's the point that I'm trying to get down to. Perhaps what we need is not more faith, but more truth. I don't mean cramming more information in our head, but I mean knowing what God has said. And we know what God has said, then we know what we're to act on. We know what direction we're to go in. And then we can have faith that God's going to bless that and that God's going to use us on that. Let's talk about the shield of faith just for a second. We define what faith is. Let's talk about the shield of faith. The shield that a Roman soldier carried was one that he could crouch behind and it would shield his entire body. On average, they were about two feet wide, about four feet tall. And whether the enemy had lost arrows or spears or even if it was in close combat, his shield was an important piece of armor because without that shield, he was completely vulnerable to whatever attack it was. But I think this is important to understand that that shield was one that he could... He could protect his entire body behind. It wasn't just a shield that guarded uh, just his, his core or whatever, but he could literally crouch behind and have his entire body guarded by that shield. And I think this is the idea that Paul is using when he says to take up the shield of faith, that our faith is something that we can completely hide and completely rest behind uh, You know, when, when we have faith in God and in, of course, uh, what he has said. His truth. Faith is a shield here because when our faith uh, in God is tied to the truth of God, then it's something that we can stand behind or find shelter beneath. 
Listen, I want to tell you this, that Satan will shoot arrows that are dipped in his lines. Amen. But if you know what God has said, then you can trust God and you can stand in truth. Satan's going to shoot arrows that are laced with temptation. He wants you to sin. He wants you to fall into sinfulness. But if you know what God has said about that, then you can trust God and you can stand in righteousness. Listen, Satan's going to shoot arrows that are ignited with chaos. He talks about the fiery darts or the fiery arrows of the wicked. He's going to shoot darts off that arrows off that are ignited in chaos. But if you know what God has said, you can trust God and you can stand in peace. Amen. Now you see how faith emphasizes all three of what we've already seen. It is an extra layer of protection beyond the truth and beyond the, uh, the, the righteousness and the peace that we've talked about. That, that, that faith guards all of those. We're able to stand safely behind it. So then let me talk for a moment about how to take up the shield of faith. Listen, if faith is connected in truth, and if truth is found in God's Word, then we need to do a couple things. First of all, we have to know God's Word. If not, then we're running around blindly putting faith, again, in things that there's no substance of. So first of all, we need to know God's Word. We need to know what God has said. And if you're not tired of hearing this already, how do you know what God's Word says? You have to get into the Word of God on a regular basis to know what God's Word says. But, but listen, it's not just enough to know what His Word has said. And that's where we are. Many of us know what God's Word says, but then what we do doesn't, doesn't run alongside of that. It clashes with it instead. And so it's not enough just to know what God's Word is, but then we have to begin putting the Word of God into practice. And as we know God's Word and as we put it into practice and and we are building our faith upon that firm foundation of God's Word and God's truth, and as we're following His leadership and His direction, and it's founded upon, of course, what He's already said that He's going to do, then guess what? Everything starts working together and nothing can move us. Amen. Nothing can, can damage us. Nothing can shake that peace or that righteousness or that that truth that's already built within us. Now, what does that look like? Let's say that you've just received word that there's going to be layoffs in your department. And you're one of the people who are going to be let go. Now, at that moment, a lot of thoughts are going to go through your mind, right? How am I going to support my family? What am I going to do? Where am I going to find a job? All these things are going to go through your mind. But let's say that earlier that week, you read the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. And I want you to go, and let's just read that here for just a moment. Matthew chapter 6, if you will, turn with me there. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. And I know many of us are familiar with these words, but just let these soak in. As we read them, just listen to what they say. 
says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know that mammon means money or materialistic things. He says, Therefore, based on that truth, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or yet for your body, what you will put on. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Is not life more than meat or food, and body more than raiment? He said, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? He says in 27, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Look at verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, look, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? How shall we be clothed? For after all these things that the Gentiles seek, he says, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Look what he says in verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the, the morrow shall take things of, uh, take care of the, or thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now let's say that you get that terrible news. You'll lose your job. You're not going to have an income. And all these thoughts could begin flowing through your mind. What am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, where am I going to start looking? I guess I need to start putting applications in. I need to do all these other things. You know, there's the potential for all those things to come in. But you remember that you read this truth from God's Word. Now, do you believe what Jesus said in these verses? Do you believe that God really can take care of you? That God really can provide in a time of crisis, in a time of need. Absolutely. Do you really believe that with that intensity of faith, that even when it looks like you don't know what your meal is going to be tomorrow, that you trust that somehow He's going to make sure that you're fed? And if you trust that, then your next actions and your next decisions and your next thoughts need to be based off of that truth, not off of whatever lies Satan's trying to put into your head and your mind. But where do we often go? We let our minds race. We let our emotions race. We let all the what ifs and the what abouts and all these other things take control of what's going on. We, we grab hold of the situation. We decide we're going to get out there and we're going to do this. And six months down the road, guess what? We're still looking and we're still hungry and all these things are happening. And what happened? We didn't sit still. We didn't hide behind that shield of faith that God has provided. Right. God said He would take care of it. We need to trust that. And I'm not saying don't put job applications in. What I, what I am saying is that peace and that rest and all those things, that we're able to have those behind that shield of faith and to know that God's going to take care of it. Listen, Satan begins launching arrows of doubt. He, he, he puts anxiety and anger and desperation, all these things at once. Your mind and your, your emotions can easily be led in a number of directions. But you know what Jesus said and you believe it. Taking up the shield of faith then is owning that verse and reacting as if God is telling the truth. 
Amen. That's what faith is. And that's how you take up the shield of faith. But listen, if you didn't spend that time in God's Word, you didn't allow that, that Word to speak to you or allow that truth to be refreshed in your mind, it's going to be hard for you to draw from that truth in the time of crisis when you need it. When you need to take up that shield of faith and believe, it, sometimes it's hard to know exactly where you need to go or what you need to do. Spend time in God's Word. Know God's Word, but practice God's Word. Listen, I want to say that the evil days will come. Satan is going to launch those arrows. Those times of crisis are going to come. And I'm not saying that those times of crisis are from God or that, that Satan necessarily is the one behind even all of those. Sometimes things just happen. I'll tell you what. The moment those things happen, two kingdoms are going to be at work fighting over which direction you're going to go. Satan's going to start launching his darts. He's going to start trying to lead you his way. And God's going to be giving you some calming voice saying, sit still and let me take care of this. And you're going to be putting a decision to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to run off of my thoughts? Or am I going to sit in this peace and believe with faith that God's going to take care of me? And I believe that's what it means when it says to take up the shield of faith.